Hope Bible Church, uh, what a joy it is to be worshiping together. Hello to all of you watching online. I'm just going to say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You are missing out by not being here in person. I get sometimes there's circumstances that keep you from that. But man, the fervency in this room is a thing of the Lord. Do not miss it. We look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. If you do not have a Bible, you're going to need a Bible tonight. If you do not have a Bible, make sure you put your hand up and our ushers are coming right now to put one in your lap. And if you don't have a copy of God's word at home, then that's a free gift for you. You can take it and study it. And as Jeremiah said, your words were a delight to me and I ate them. Amazing. You can feast on it at home. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and it's on page 487. One more Bible way up at the front here. Ushers, one more up here. Front row, 487. So our theme for this year, if you remember last week, we kicked off the ministry year, and our theme for the year was based off Joshua 1.9, which is to be strong and courageous. And so as an outflow of that, we now kick off into our first mini-series of the year, which is what? Strong and courageous in convictions. Strong and courageous in convictions. This is an absolutely crucial series for us, so let's dial in over the next three weeks. All right, pens out, journals open, Bibles ready. Why is this series absolutely crucial at this time as we launch into the ministry and in this day and age? Psalm 113.3 tells us. Here's why. Because if the foundations are destroyed... What will the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? Okay, hands up, hands up if you've heard this expression before. Ready? First things first. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, there we go. You've heard that expression. First things first. Well, here we go. When it comes to the kingdom of God, these are to be the first things first. The first things first of the church of Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of this series is to bring foundational, convictional clarity. Man, we live in a day and age when we need clarity, huh? We live in a day and age where there's fake news. You think we're desperate for some foundational clarity? Uh huh. So the purpose of this series, foundational conviction clarity, to see afresh the foundational convictions Jesus has commanded us as the church to uphold if we are to see him build his church for his glory. Now, let's be clear. Let's be clear on something. If we stand firm on them, we hold to them in his power, it's quite obvious his blessing is upon it. In whatever way or form he sees fit to give it, we hold fast to his conviction, his blueprint, his blessings on it. We drift from them. It's a one-way ticket to compromise and ruin. That's kingdom mathematics right there. You hold to it, he blesses it. 
You drift, devastation. And you don't have to look very far around the Christendom today to see the effects of drift. And it has to start right here, what we're zeroing in on today. The one mission, the one non-negotiable, undeniable mission that Jesus has given his church. This mission answers the question, why does the church exist? If someone were to come up to you and say, oh, you go to that church. Listen, what's the purpose of the church This is it. This is it. Here it is. Big idea of the text right here. Jesus gave us, his church, one mission. One. And we must live to make disciples of all nations. That's the mission of the church. That's the one thing, the crucial thing. We must live to make disciples of all nations. And this mission is called, as you will see in the text today, if you look at the the, um, subtitle just above verse 16, it's called the Great Commission. Now, before we move into the text, it's going to be really important to understand this. Notice what it doesn't say. This isn't the Great Suggestion. The great idea, unless you have a better one for how church should go. It is the great commission. So let's be clear. We got to be really clear, okay? What is a commission? You'll see it on the screen right here. Trustworthydictionary.com. I would recommend it. Here it is. A commission is an instruction, a command or duty given to a person or group of people by one who is in ultimate authority. That's a commission. It's not a suggestion. It's a command or duty or instruction given to a person or group of people. So, and this this is so important. We lock in church to this mission, this message tonight. Why? Because we have a problem on our hands. You individually and corporately. And it is this. There is massive mission drift in the church today. Families are being torn apart. Churches are waving pride flags. People's faith is being devoured by deception. There is massive mission drift. Don't believe me? Don't believe me where this comes from? Why, why is it so important? We see you say, Pastor Ray, you preach on the Great Commission every year. Yes. Don't think I don't know what you're thinking. Of. Really? Great Commission again? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Lord willing, next year. And the year after that. Yeah, thank you. Here's why. Barna study. 1,000 Christians in 2017, 1,000 regular church-going, self-proclaiming Christians, over 1,000 of them, 51% of them, 51%, over half of the 1,000 people, Christians, responded they've never heard of the Great Commission. Are you surprised there's mission drift in the church? They don't even know what the mission of it is. What's the purpose of it? 
And you say, well, that's still 51%. Well, it's okay, it's okay. Okay, next stat. Only 17% of those 51 who had heard of it knew what it even meant. 17%. Do the math. I used to be a math teacher. I like math. That's 170 people out of 1,000 Christians knew what the Great Commission was and what it meant. It's the one mission. Are we surprised of the mission drift? Just let it sit there for a moment. 17%. We have a problem. A big one. And look at the result of the drift. Compromise in pulpits. The authority of God's word is taken out. Motivational pep talks and whatever will itch your ears to get more people in the room takes over. Missional distraction, division, infighting on things that are not to be the priorities, and ultimately a drifting from Christ to the world, and millions of people a year are going to hell. See the problem? Big idea, don't forget it. Jesus gave us one mission. And we must live our entire lives around making disciples for all nations. And here in our text today, we're going to see three practices, three lifestyles we must guard, three beliefs we must uphold daily in Christ's power if we are to keep his mission our priority in this church because the reality is this you and I are only one or two decisions away from drift ourselves and see Jesus fulfill his mission for his church through his power in and through us you ready to go let's stand to honor the authority of God's word loved ones Matthew chapter 28 we're going to read starting at verse 16 and go all the way to the end of the 20 let's go the great commission Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to get your word and be gotten by it. The mission of the church is to make disciples. And if we are to do this faithfully in his power, here's the first truth we need to see. We must trust in the sovereignty of Jesus. This is where it all starts. We must trust the sovereignty of Jesus. Here, why? Jesus, look at this truth, ready? Ready for some faith fuel, loved ones? Jesus has universal authority over all things. Okay, loved ones. 
That's a great time for an amen. And we missed it. All right, come on. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to try it again. Jesus has universal authority over all things. Okay. Praise the Lord. Love it. I love this. I love you so much. Will, but here's the thing. Here's the challenge. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Careful, because our lips can declare, yeah, I'm totally in. What's your heart saying? Be careful. Will you trust him? This is where it all starts. Here's our context. Context is key. It's 33 AD. Jesus has been crucified and he's risen from the grave three days later. And now this event right here on a mountain in Galilee, this is 40 days after Jesus's resurrection. 40 days. And during these 40 days, he's been appearing to his disciples and meeting with them to encourage them, to comfort them, and to instruct them. And as we see in Matthew 28, 1 to 10, you can read it on your own for some context. Jesus has just told the woman who'd gone to his tomb on the day he resurrected, he tells them in verse 10 to go and tell his brothers, the 11 disciples, to go to Galilee. Now, and, and he would meet them there. Now, where's Galilee? You'll see a picture of it here. You see it circled up there. Galilee is a region. It's not like one town. It's a region in northern Israel. And he's directing them. He told them to go to a specific mountain, and he would meet them there soon. And so here, here in verses 16 to 20, these are Jesus' final moments on earth. Now, let me ask you a question. If you knew you only had a few moments left, with people that you're entrusting a mission to, would you want to lay down what's truly important or are you going to say fluff? These are his final moments on earth and he's called the disciples here to meet with them before he ascends to heaven. Why has he done this? To commission them and ultimately us for the mission He's entrusted us with until he comes back. And so here, Jesus gives the disciples and us today their final instruction for how that mission is to be fulfilled. And you will notice as we go through these five verses, this mission is not up for debate. How this mission is to be fulfilled, the blueprint he's given, is not up for debate. It doesn't change just because we're now in the 21st century instead of the 1st century. It's not up for debate. And so it's commencement day for the disciples. Let's read 16 and 17. Go back to the text. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. See, Jesus fulfills his promise from verse 10, Matthew 28, 10. And he meets the 11 disciples at the mountain. Now, you notice, you notice in verse 17, you might think, oh, Jesus is here. And there's this like ecstatic reaction. There's a mixed reaction, isn't there? Did you catch it? Go back to the text, verse 17. There's a mixed reaction. Some worship. You see that? The Greek word for worship there is proskuneo, which means to prostrate oneself and humble oneself under an authority, under the Lord in reverence, bow the knee. But you notice the reaction of some others. It says some doubted. Greek word for doubt there means they were hesitant. They see Jesus and they're like, there's a hesitation here. Now, we don't know 100% why. We don't know what, what things are running through their heads here. 
But most likely, they're still wrestling with how to respond to Jesus. Don't forget, it's been a wild 40 days. And they're like, okay, he's called us to this mountain. We know he said he was going to return to the... What is this going to mean for us? So there's, there's some doubt. There's some hesitancy going on. And where all of this was going to lead. And, and, and I just love... I just love the work of the Holy Spirit in inspiring every word of Scripture. Do you know why? Because if you were trying to fabricate a lie to get as many people as possible to be deceived in believing that this was true, why would you even bring doubt into the equation? Isn't just the Holy Spirit just beautiful? Because the authority of Scripture is going to last. Heaven and earth will pass. The word is going to, the word is going to remain. It's not a lie. It just proves the veracity of Scripture. And I don't know about you. Does, does anyone here struggle with doubt in who Jesus is at, from time to time? Anybody? That you, can I trust him in that situation? You ever struggle with the same? Doesn't, isn't, it, isn't the Holy Spirit so kind? These are the 11 disciples who've been with him for 40 days. They put their fingers in him and they're like, uh, that's you and me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And maybe you're here struggling right now and doubting that you can trust him. Maybe you're doubting that this guy, Jesus, son of God, I don't believe any of that. Maybe you're doubting right now. I just want to say, he's, he's brought you here for a purpose under his sovereignty. You're here tonight because he wanted you here. He's the king. And so bring your doubt to him. You know why? Because Jesus is bigger than your doubt. Say that with me. Jesus is bigger than my doubt. Jesus is bigger than my doubt. Hands down. You bring those doubts to him. He'll take care of business. And now notice what he does. To settle the doubt... Before Jesus gives them any command. Do you see what he does? There's no command in 16 or 17. Before he gives them any command, what does he do? He makes the claim of all claims. Not command, the claim of all claims, of authority, of sovereignty, of deity, and of his lordship. Now look at verse 18. Here's the claim. You ready to go? Watch this, watch this. And Jesus, he sees the doubts, he sees the worship. And he says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, Jesus says he has all authority. Now that term, all authority, don't miss this. It is this in the Greek, write this down. You're going to want this and take it into your workplace, into your families, into the car when you get cut off in traffic. I want you to take this. And write it down. All authority means this. Universal ruling power. I'm going to go really slow so you can catch this. All authority, Jesus says, I have universal ruling power and jurisdiction. Watch this, watch this. Over each and every part of all things. All of creation. And that authority has been given to me by my father. Okay, now we're not just going to whip past that. Don't miss what he says, the claim of all claims. Let's break this down. He says, I have all authority over every time and over every season, all of history. 
from the beginning of it until history in this world will end. I have all authority over that. Even right now in Canada in 2021. 2020, what year are we in? 23, oh my goodness. I think I did that last week too. I'm just living in the past here. Come on, come on, Pastor Ray, let's go. And times and seasons, 2023. He's like, I have all authority over, ready for this? Sickness. I have all authority over sickness, just like we sung tonight. I have all authority over death and life. I have all authority over sin. It looks bad out there, doesn't it? Sometimes it looks bad right here, doesn't it? And Jesus is like, I got authority over that, all of it. It has nothing on me. Nothing. I have all authority over every economy on this planet. You hear all this stuff about recessions and inflation. and I have authority over that. I have all authority over every family, over every job in every workplace. I've got authority over that. When you go into the hospital, I've got authority over that. When you go in to work for the guy, I got authority over that. When you stay at home, homeschooling kids, I got authority over that. I've got authority over every angel in heaven, over every demon, every planet, every star, every solar system, over all animals, over all insects, over every evil and every power that sets itself up against me, over every trial you will ever have, are having, or will face. I have all authority over every war. You think that's good news today? I have authority. I'm not surprised. I'm on it. And I've purposed to show my glory through it. And I have authority over the church. See, Jesus says here, he is the Lord. And he says, I always have the final say. Because I've got all authority. No matter how bad it looks out there, no matter how bad it looks here, I have the final say. No matter what your preference is, you want to ride to see the church do its thing and what you think it should do, he says, I have the final say, not you. First century, 21st century. Jesus says to his disciples and us today, be encouraged, church, right here. Loved ones, I see your doubts, and here's what I say to you. I see you doubting right there. I look into your hearts. I see that. And here's what I say. I've got it all under control. Think of your situation right now. I don't know what, you're, what each of you are going through. Some of you I do. I just want you to think of your situation right now, the grief you're struggling with, the sickness you're struggling with, the unpredictability, the, the discomfort, the weariness, all of that. And here, here's what Jesus said. I've got it. that for you just write that down and then write down your situation and then say Jesus has the final say Jesus has the final say is that comforting for you today sure is for me over that relationship that's really hard I've got a little see Jesus has universal authority over all things but the question is this will you and I trust him 
This is where all faithfulness to the mission starts, trusting in the sovereign authority, lordship, and power of Jesus over all things at all times. Remember, as we said last week, remember, this is why what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Right there. It's the most, what do you believe about Jesus? If we do not trust him in believing that he is who he says he is, we will compromise. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. We will compromise. Instead of faith, we will give in to fear. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of circumstance, whatever it is. Instead of peace, there is anxiety. Doubts, uncertainty, as we make, look at, look, you know why? You know why? Because as soon as you start making man really big and your situation really big and making Jesus really small, you've lost trust in his authority. How many of us right now are making man really big and Jesus really small? That's where fear of man comes from. Fear of circumstance. And we start making ourselves or others lord over our lives and mission drift is the result. Will you trust him, church? How about us in this ministry here by humbling ourselves under him and submitting to his way, his authority? The mission depends on it. And can I just encourage you with this? I wasn't going to include this until my final review this morning from Isaiah 46, but I'm just so encouraged by it this week, and I hope you will be too. When it talks about the total sovereignty of Jesus and authority, he says this, I am God, Isaiah 46. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, listen to this, and there is none like me. Verse 10 declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. That's all human history, by the way. Saying, my counsel shall stand. Who can say that? One who has complete authority. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. And can I just encourage you with this? God has a purpose for your placement right now. Based on the authority of his word, under the jurisdiction and authority and sovereignty of our Lord, he has a purpose for your placement right now. And it may be a really challenging one, time that you're going through, but he's got a purpose for it. Humble yourself under him. Don't try to run your own way. Don't try to grab authority from him. That will lead nowhere good. Humble yourself under him and say, God, I don't see it, but I believe you are who you say you are, and I'm going to trust you. He has a purpose for your placement. The weariness, the hurt, whatever it is, the uncertainty, he's got a purpose for that, and he will use it for his glory and your good if you are saved in Jesus Christ. Amen? He will use that for you. And so let our daily prayer be, Lord, increase my faith in you. Increase my faith What situation do you need to do this in right now? Open the word of God, repent of your unbelief, and call on his name. He loves you. He is faithful. He will sustain you and glorify his name. The mission of the church is to make disciples. But it all starts right here. We must trust in the sovereignty of Jesus. And if we're trusting in the sovereignty of Jesus, here's the overflow. We must keep the priorities of Jesus. 
We must keep the priorities of Jesus. Christ, you say, what's that? Christ's priorities are the right priorities. Let's give some clarity here. Christ's priorities for our lives, for his church, are the right ones. There's a lot of voices out there saying, you got to prioritize this in the church. you got to prioritize this in your life. you got to prioritize this in your life. Christ's priorities are the right priorities. Amen? His priorities for what he says in his church are the right ones. But are they of first importance to you? Are they of first importance to us corporately as a church? Go back 18 to 20, let's read. First part of 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, after making the claim of his universal authority and sovereignty, Jesus now gives the command because it otherwise would have been out of order. Jesus gives the command and to his disciples and us, the command of our mission and the missional blueprint right here for how it is to be carried out. Notice verse 19 again. He says, go therefore, don't miss therefore. When, okay, Bible reading 101, here we go, okay? Whenever you see the word therefore, that's called a connector, that's called a conjunction, and that's a transition. That means you gotta go back to what was said previously in the first one or two verses before it. So therefore, let's read the text, let's read biblically, let's get a right hermeneutic. Therefore, that means biblical translation, by the way. So therefore, Based on my authority, based on my lordship, based on my power over all things, over every part of all things, based on the truth, disciples, that I am unstoppable, love that, based on the truth that I have the final say, and based on the truth that my authority, get this, my authority guarantees the success of a mission, can I get an Amen. Uh huh. Based on the fact that my authority guarantees the success of the mission, I'm giving you my non negotiable first importance command to you is this make disciples of all nations. See it? There's a lot in that, therefore, isn't there? Based on my authority. And to be in the 17%, we need to get this. Let's understand what a disciple is. Matichuo is the Greek word for this. Here's what it means. Disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who progressively, we never hit our discipleship ceiling in this life. We're not going to be perfect on this side of eternity. But who progressively learns God's word and is obedient to the lifestyle to it. That is one growing in Christ, Christ-like maturity. Now notice, this command to go and make disciples isn't, notice that? It's for all nations, right? It's not just for one people group, not just for ones that you, in your tribe that you think you're comfortable hanging around. He says it's for all nations, all people groups. And make no mistake, we see so clearly here, making disciples is to be the agenda of first importance, the priority of the church. 
It is our global, see that? It's our global mandate. Global mandate, all nations. It's not only the mission for, get this, pastors and elders and staff. It's not only the mission when you reach a certain age, then you can start doing this. It's not only the mission for, not just the mission for those who don't struggle with the fear of man. It's not just the mission for those who are saved longer than five years. Rather, loved ones, it is the command from our Lord to every person who claims to be a disciple. It is non-negotiable. If I could sum it up, what Jesus is saying right here, being a disciple means you're making disciples. Not just you think, well, when I get a seminary degree, I'll do that. Nope. These guys didn't have any seminary degrees. The apostles, kind of a big deal. Being a disciple means making disciples. It's all people, all in. One mission. Because if we're not making disciples individually as the church, here's the truth right here, right from God's word, let it sit on your heart. We are not being faithful. And we're drifting. Now live in the text. How, how would you feel if you were one of the 11 on this mountain? Right here. <laughs> Do you think the disciples felt a bit intimidated right now? Hey guys, I know you're still doubting. Just go make disciples of the whole earth. And I'm trusting my church to you. And I'm out. Peace. You think they're a bit intimidated? Like, recall, the disciples, as I said, they weren't seminarians. They didn't go to the latest rabbinical schools, the highest educated. They were uneducated common men. Remember from the book of Acts? Uneducated common men. Actually, the Greek word for uneducated is idiotai. uneducated, common men. And today, hey, loved one, do you ever get intimidated by thinking of this mission? Do you ever get intimidated? Go make disciples. When you, when you see, you get intimidated, fearful, when you see the way the world's going and the opposition that could result from that? Or, or you get intimidated when, when you see the increasing opposition to the gospel in the church or do you get intimidated or fearful too when you're, when you're thinking of speaking with that family member? With your neighbors? What's it going to mean? I, I don't want to trash the relationship. And with your teammates? With your classmates? With your coworkers? Do you get intimidated by that, thinking of that? And the real possibility that they could reject you as they did the Christ. Do you get intimidated when you think of the cost that Jesus will call you to count when you follow him? And you say, what's the cost? Mm, everything. Luke 9, 62 says, you can't put one hand on the plow and then look back like, I want this, I want my comfort, I want things my way, and call yourself a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. Two hands on the plow, eyes looking directly forward. You can't count the cost and try to hang on to your earthly comfort. Loved ones, will you and I keep Christ's priority, the right priority, and stay faithful to the mission? And, and this hit me, and I want to encourage you with this. Did you know 
if you're saved in Jesus Christ, the reason he gave you that job, the reason he gave you the family that you have, the reason he gave you the relationships, the reason he put you on that sports team, the reason he gave you the opportunities you have, do you know why? To fulfill the mission. That's why you have it. You think it's because you got a degree. You know, Jesus is like, I put you there to make disciples over money. Are we more focused on making money or making disciples? See, Christ's priorities are the right priorities. Are they of first importance to you? Now, I don't know about you, loved ones, but if I'm on that mountain and I hear this command, my first question is, I'm like type A, double A personality. I'm like, okay, okay, let's plan out the next 20 steps, right? Double A personality right here. Is that even a thing, double A? Anyway, A, personality. If I'm on that mountain, I hear this command, my first question is, uh, how am I supposed to do this? Do you hear that? Yeah, go make disciples of all nations. Great. How? How do you want this done? What's the game plan? What's the blueprint, the priorities we must keep if we're to be faithful in it? Three, right here, three, right from the text. I love it, it's so clear, right from the text. Number one, three priorities. First one, to go, to go. Look at verse 19. Go therefore, based on my authority, and make disciples. You know the word go? It means um, to move. From one place to another. It doesn't mean go to your couch. It means go. Go. It means advance. That's a key theme for this church this year. Advance in the power of the gospel. Disciple making means you aren't standing still. If I could sum up what Jesus is saying right here, and this is the first participle. There's only one command in this text. It's to make disciples. And these are three participles which show how it's to be done. And the first one means you go. Mission means movement. Can you say that with me? Mission means movement. Yes, mission means movement. Jesus commands us to go. Here it is. Here's what he says. Go, disciples. Go, Hope Ottawa, out of your comfort zone. Go. Notice there's no... There's no condition. Go unless you don't feel qualified. Go unless the cost is too high. Go unless you don't feel like you have enough knowledge of me. Go unless you don't feel like you're mature. There's nothing there. No qualifiers. He says, go out of your comfort zone. Go, whole Ottawa, when we feel timid and fearful. Go across the street. Go into the locker room. Go into the office. Go into the grocery store aisle. Go around your table for family devotions. Go into the world. Go across the world. Are, are we even considering Jesus' call? Or are we just embracing our comfort here at home? Are we willing to count the cost? We can't have one end on the plow and look back, but I like what I have. Go. Go on the service team and pour in. Join a service team in this church. Go into this small group and stir one another up to loving good deeds. Go. And do what? What are we supposed to do? Proclaim the gospel. 
Proclaim the gospel, the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ. You say, how do I know that? You go to the parallel passage in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 of this moment right here. In 16, 15, Jesus expands on this. He says, go into all the world and proclaim. Proclaim the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and say that the Son of God has come. The eternal Son of God. He left the perfection of heaven. And he took on flesh. Go and proclaim that he came and lived a perfect life for 33 years and did not sin once. Go and proclaim that he went to the cross in your place and my place to pay the penalty for the sin of the world as our substitute, a penalty that we could never pay. Go and proclaim that he died in that tomb and he rose again three days later, defeating the power of sin and death and offering forgiveness and eternal life. Go and proclaim that, that through repentance and faith you will be forgiven. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and raise him from the dead, you will be saved. Go and proclaim it. Tell what he's done. We have one message. There's only one message for one mission. One message of one in first importance. We're commanded to go and proclaim, and we have all, I love this. We have, you might feel intimidated by that. In your classrooms, kids, you might feel intimidated by that. I want you to remember verse 18. We have all of Christ's unlimited authority behind it. He has promised to draw all those he's calling to himself to be saved. And they can't stop his effectual grace. Go. Go with the confidence of Jesus Christ. Will you be rejected sometimes? Yes, you will. Is he worth it? You were worth it to him. Go. The gospel's unstoppable. Go, Hope Ottawa. The gates of hell will not prevail. Go and preach the gospel and always use words because they're necessary. Go. Who, where has God put you? Where, who has God put around you? And what are you waiting for? The mission won't change. And maybe you're here And you're feeling like, maybe you're struggling with some sickness. Maybe you're struggling with something physical or weariness or whatever. And you're like, I can't, I can't serve. I can't go the way I'm used to. That's okay. Go where he has you. Who has he put around you? Go. The mission doesn't stop. Just because our energy levels might a little bit. But where has he put you? Go. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Is the gospel of first importance to you? Secondly, go. And then what? Baptize. Baptize. Look at verse 19. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptize there, term baptize means to submerge. The Greek word is baptizo, which means to submerge or immerse in water. Notice this. After proclaiming the gospel to the lost and by God's grace, seeing them repent of their sin and put their faith in him as Lord, every disciple is to be baptized. I'll say it again. 
Every disciple is to be baptized as a symbol by which we identify with Christ as being united with him and his church. And you might say, well, why aren't we just baptized in the name of Jesus? I just oh, I love this. Why aren't you just baptized in the name of Jesus? You ready for some beautiful doctrine? Sign up for the doctrine class. You'll unpack it a lot more than what I'm about to do here. Trust me and do it soon. So here's the thing. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not one God with, and he just changes into three different forms. No, three distinct persons. And why do we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because all three persons of the Trinity have a part in the salvation of a soul. How? The Father's got the plan of redemption. The Son, Jesus Christ, accomplished the plan of redemption. The Spirit of God, now sent by Christ, applies the plan of redemption into the lives of the saints and continues the work of transforming us from one degree of glory to the next until we get to eternity. Yes, salvation is Trinitarian from start to finish. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful doctrine. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a symbol Death and burial, we go under the water. It's a symbol of us being united to Christ in his death, our death to our old self. Anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, dead and buried under the water, and then the new, they raise up. The new has come, identifying with his resurrection, new nature, new life. Notice, right here from the text, baptism is not a means of salvation. You're not saved when you're baptized. Salvation must be before baptism. Otherwise, what are you symbolizing? This is why infant baptism, we don't see it in the Bible. And I say that with all the love I can. Notice the mission. Proclaim the gospel. And when people receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then baptize them because they're being baptized into the church. United with Christ, the symbol of their new nature. Baptism is not about salvation. It's not like we'll, we'll sprinkle you now and then you maybe will receive Christ later and give a testimony. No, 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 that's not what we see. That's not biblical, what we see. And I've heard the arguments, but the authority of God's word stands. It's not here. It means if you... Call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ and haven't been baptized. You're living. Hey, loved ones, I love you so much. But if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you've never been baptized. You're living in direct disobedience to him. And you're like, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I receive you as Savior. But, well, just do the first command. Get off the ground. Get baptized. As a symbol of your identification and union with Jesus Christ and his church. Have you been baptized? How will you respond? As we announced last week, we're planning for our next baptism service right now. We've seen those people signing up. That's so cool. Have you been baptized? Now's the time. You don't have to go, well, maybe later. Now's the time. And the authority of God's word, how will you respond? That's the question. Lastly is this. Priority one, go. Priority two, Baptize. Priority three, here it is, teach, as we close out this section. Teaching them to observe all that I have 
commanded you. See, the word teaching there means to instruct in God's word and train disciples to observe. The word observe means to guard or watch over all that God has commanded. We don't get to pick and choose the parts of scripture. He says, all that I've commanded you. We don't pick and choose which parts we like and we want to go with and then negate the rest. We have to understand. Did you see it right there? Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. It came after the conversion, right? Here's what this means. Um, we're just not commanded to make converts and leave them. We must make disciples who are growing in maturity and Christ-likeness by obeying God's word in their own lives by his power so they can then teach it to others. And you notice, it's every disciple, not just pastors and elders. Every disciple is called to this, and that means you and I must have a growing relationship with Christ by abiding in him through his word, prayer, repentance, obedience. Why? You'll see it on the screen. Because you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. You can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. So we better have something going on with Jesus every day. All people, all in. Is maturity your priority, loved one? What's your next step? Proclaiming, getting baptized, teaching, maybe stepping in this, making disciples, serve, jumping on a service team. Now's the time. Start of the year, let's go. Men's and women's ministry. Have you signed up for those yet? That's Disciple Making 101 right there. Don't wait. Those events are coming up in November. Let's go. Have you signed up for a small group? What about our discipleship classes on doctrine? Get ready. Yes. Teaching them. Maybe it's this. Mentoring a younger, younger man or woman in the Lord. Got a lot of kids in this church, huh? Praise the Lord. A lot of youth. Are we mentoring them? Christ's priorities are the right priorities. Let's go. The mission of the church is to make disciples. We must trust the sovereignty of Jesus, keep the priorities of Jesus, and lastly is this. With all this, we must remember the promise of Jesus that it all hinges on. Look at this, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and then behold. You say, the Greek means remember, and remember this, disciples. Remember this, Hope Ottawa, right here. I am with you always to the end of the age. See what happened there? It all hinges on that promise. Jesus gave us both the mission, verse 19, and the means, verse 20. He gave us the mission and then the means to accomplish it. Who will you depend on for it? See, after unpacking the mission he's entrusting the disciples with, Jesus now promises the means by which they were to accomplish the mission. What are the means? Did you get it from the text? What are the means? Go back to the text. Him. Jesus is the means. He's the means to accomplish it. He says, behold, remember, I'm with you. No matter the trials you face, no matter the fear you feel, no matter the doubt you struggle with, I will be with you and will never leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1.9. I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence would be with them through the power of the Holy Spirit who would be sent by Jesus just 10 days after this moment at Pentecost. And it is under his authority, in his power, through his people, that his mission will be fulfilled. Good news. Eyes up. Eyes up. Right here. Eyes up. We are not on our own. Is that good news to you today? We are not on our own. And I don't know about you. Do you ever just stop? I just love this. Like when I'm on a prayer walk or like when I'm going into a counseling 
session or a meeting or I'm preparing a sermon or I'm sitting down for family devotions or there's those one-on-one times with your kids or those witnessing opportunities with your neighbors. I just love doing this. Maybe this will help you. Just saying, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with me right now. Fill me afresh right now, please. You're never alone. If you're saved in Christ, you're never alone. Thank you that you're with. Just try that. It's so comforting in those moments. See, right here, Jesus is our provision for the mission. He gave us himself. Jesus is our provision. Loved ones, he will not forsake us. And I implore us, Hope Ottawa, don't forsake him. Don't forsake him. Stay humble. Stay dependent. We can't fulfill this mission on our own strength, by our own strategies, but through Christ alone. Making disciples, trusting his sovereignty, keeping his priorities, and remembering his promise. Who will you depend on, loved ones? It's only fitting that we finish right now by coming to the Lord's table. We talk about remembering his promise. We're going to a time of remembrance as we close out today. Coming to the Lord's table in remembrance of who Jesus is and what he's done that changes this from mission impossible to mission possible because of Jesus. And the two elements we remember him with today are the bread and the juice. The bread represents his body that was crushed for us on the cross. And the juice, which represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins, that we may walk in new life in him. And I want to encourage you, if you're here and you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior before, two things. I'm so thankful that you are here. It's not by accident, as I said. But the second thing I'm going to say is, I would encourage you, do not, under the authority of Scripture, do not take the elements right now. This is for the people of God, the unity of the church. And if you've never made the confession of Christ, I encourage you, come up and talk to our leaders afterward. We want to talk to you quickly about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in these next few moments, brothers and sisters, let's be still before the Lord and ask him to examine our hearts and say, as King David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart and test my anxious thoughts. See where the offensive ways are in me and lead me in the path everlasting. Why, why, why? Because the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. There's judgment on the line for approaching the table in an unworthy manner. We drink judgment on ourselves. So let's take these next few minutes to get right with the Lord. And then we will take the elements together.